Welcome to the Monitor Sports Podcast. Eric Rinson Lobel here with Dan Atori for another really full episode of uh, discussion of local athletics. We had several homecomings this past weekend, some big wins, including Merrimack Valley football taking down Bo in a major upset. We'll talk about all that in a second. In the second half of the, of the show, you can listen to my conversation with John Stark field hockey coach Dennis Pelletier, uh, the generals, the defending D2 champions. We've talked about them a few times on the podcast so far this season. We obviously documented their success last year as well, and they have not skipped a beat at all this season uh, with a win on Tuesday. The generals now 11-0 and on the season and are steamrolling opponents outscoring teams uh, 46 to four across those 11 games. So uh, you can check out my interview with coach Pelletier in the second half, but first Dan, we mentioned Merrimack Valley, um, big upset win over Bo in football during homecoming on Saturday, seven to six, a nice old like 1950s NFL score. <laughs> um, the, the Six came for Bo because the Falcons were stopped on a two-point try late in the fourth quarter, trying to take the lead um, by the records we were provided. This is Merrimack Valley's first win over Bo in school history. And uh, Michael Hine led uh, MV on defense with 15 tackles and also stuffed that two-point conversion attempt that would have given Bo the lead. Uh, the one touchdown for the Pride came on a 48-yard touchdown pass from Braden Hussey to Reese Claremont. Um, and Dan, you know, we talked on the previous two podcasts about, you know, both football got to an 0-2 start. The team won two in a row. They're young, but it seemed like they're putting everything together. And then they go into a game on Saturday against a winless Merrimack Valley team, and both comes out on the short end. Yeah, I mean it's there are no gimmies in in Division Two, um, at least on the the eastern half of the the Eastern Conference of that division. Um, you know, anyone could beat anyone any every week, um, as as we've seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bo was coming off a, a win where they rushed for over three hundred yards in uh, its win against Milford. Uh, Caleb Schumacher with uh, more than two hundred of those, um, and really, you know, MV's defense, um, you know, just couldn't couldn't get a whole lot couldn't get a whole lot going. Um, and then uh, MV going up uh, right before halftime with a big touchdown and, and Bo not getting on the scoreboard at all until the very, uh, until the very end. Um, and then not being able to convert, uh, you know, the, the two yard or whatever, how, whatever yard they start at the, the running play to get that two point conversion. So huge win for Merrimack Valley. Um I'm sure they would have liked to have had more wins by now, but to win their first game of the season on homecoming, the program's first ever win against Bo, um, you know, has to feel pretty good. And, you know, I was looking at all the schedules and kind of based on, you know, who's beaten who and kind of that, you know, quagmire of where things are and the D2 East, like it's not out of the question where MV could win out and, and go five and four um, and maybe sneak into the playoffs. Like it's pretty wild, but you know, we've seen um, a lot of crazy stuff on that half 
that half of the division. So um, we've talked about MV upsetting Bo. Um, elsewhere in Division Two, um, Guilford Belmont lost. Uh, this is also Guilford's. In addition to Merrimack Valley, Concord, Bishop Brady, and Winnesquam's homecoming, it was also Guilford's homecoming. Um, Guilford Belmont lost to Laconia, twenty-seven to nineteen. Uh, Guilford. Guilford Belmont, of course, a, a team that had uh, was coming off a couple of, of key wins. Um, so that kind of knocked them down a bit. And then Sanborn uh, crushed Kennett 48 to 21. Kennett was one of the undefeated teams in in that side of the bracket. So um, so where things stand there right now in the Division two East, Kennett and Plymouth are four and one. Plymouth um, lost to Sauhegan last year's runner-up on Saturday. Sanborn and St. Thomas at three and two. Bowen Guilford Belmont are two and three. Uh, Laconia is two and two, and Merrimack Valley and Pembroke are both one and four. Um, but I mean, you've seen you know some of those one and four teams beat some of the teams that are you know that are two and three and then you've seen you know some of those teams with two wins beat teams with four wins it's it's been all over the board um so i don't think you can really count anyone uh count anyone out there um division two west much more straightforward um john stark beat hollis brookline 62 to 6 to improve to four and one um that was a 56 to nothing scoreline at halftime. Um, so what that half of division two, the D2 West looks like Pelham at five and oh, so Hegan at four and oh, John Stark, four and one Hanover three and one. And then the rest of the teams in uh, that half of the bracket, including Hillsborough, Deering, Hopkinson all have, uh, they're all one and four or oh and four. Um, so much clearer divide there. Uh, John Stark, uh, playing at Hillsborough during Hopkinton on Saturday. The weather does not look great, but hopefully that game is played, um, and I'm hoping to be there for that one. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, Division Two football is is pretty chaotic right now. Uh, and, you know, and it's nice. It's it, it not it was not always entertaining <laughs> to cover. Um you know, high school football in the area as much as it is now, because you knew it was very, you know, straightforward. There's a clear hierarchy of who's going to win, who was not. Um, and it was a lot of ground and pound. And the team that goes up is going to, you know, stay up and and take it to the end. Um, very little of uh, Division Two follows. I think it's the transitive property, Eric, yeah. where it's like Kennett beats Guilford Belmont, Guilford Belmont beats Sanborn, but then Sanborn beats Kennett, the not following. I believe that's a transitive property, if I remember that from geometry class back in the day, I think is where I, I learned that. Um, so that's Division Two. Um, Division Three, Kearsarge. Uh, we've confirmed Kearsarge football is playing JV only for the rest of the season due to low numbers, um, something that has uh, affected a lot of programs in Divisions 3 and Divisions 4 and even Division 2 um, throughout the state of New Hampshire. Um, then, Eric, before we close out with the game, both of us were at, uh, I wanted to highlight uh, Franklin in Division 4 with a huge 24-21 victory over Winnesquam at Winnesquam's homecoming. This is the first time that Franklin has won more than one game since 2018. 
Uh, so Franklin now uh, two and two in fourth place in the final playoff spot uh, and looking uh, to hold that um, quarterback Zeke McCoy had four touchdowns, big game for him. And then uh, Noah Ehlers uh, lineman turned fullback had a big second half to help move the ball. Uh, definitely give Franklin uh, some momentum. Uh, and then Bishop Brady uh, won its homecoming game 49 to six over newfound also two and two. Um, so the annual rivalry game between Bishop Brady and Franklin, uh, the Kaplan Cup, uh, named after uh, longtime Franklin and Bishop Brady uh, teacher and coach Jeff Kaplan. Um, that game in the final day of the regular season, that could be quite pivotal um, in determining a playoff spot. Um, so that's the rest of football. Eric, we were at we were at Memorial Field on Saturday for uh, Concord's homecoming. Uh, and you know, not not a win, uh, not a win for Concord. Um, honestly, I, I did. I thought it. I thought it could have been a lot. I thought it could have been really out of control. Um, and so even though Concord came up on the wrong side, thirty-four to seven. Um, I think considering that they're they're missing their you know, best player. Um, and given, you know, what we've seen from them throughout the season and not as bad a result, I think as, as it could have been. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that that would have, uh, made Jim Corkum happy after, after Saturday's performance. Um, but yeah, I mean, losing to Pinkerton or beating Pinkerton was always going to be tough. Uh, the Astros are now five and oh, they've beaten, I mean, they beat Londonderry who, Concord lost to uh, opening week by 27 points. So Saturday was always going to be tough. I think the demoralizing piece of Saturday was, you know, Concord uh, kicked off to start the game. They attempted an onside kick. They recovered it, which is, you know, you're stealing an extra possession. You get momentum. And then the tide fumbled at three plays later and Pinkerton proceeded to march the ball down the field 17 plays 84 yards and eight of eight minutes and 14 seconds of uh the first quarter clock so after that it kind of took the air out of Concord sales and it made it difficult for an offense that as you said still missing Ellie Bahuma Jim Corkum said after Saturday's game that he'll be surprised if uh Ellie plays again this season which is a real shame because we've seen how dynamic of a runner he can be and how important he is to that team um so you know Corkum didn't rule it out he said you know he he's happy to be pleasantly surprised but as of right now he is not expecting him to return uh the rest of the season um the other backbreaker on Saturday for Concord uh they were down 14 nothing in the third quarter and uh, Pinkerton's Jameson Isaac returned a punt 82 yards for a touchdown and that kind of put the nail in the coffin to make it 21 nothing. Concord's offense, just not enough uh, ability to move the ball down the field consistently. Um, and, you know, going down three scores in that, in that late in the game became a little bit too much for uh, the Tide to overcome. Now, Concord does play Alvern on Friday. That's a team that's two and three. Concord's one and three. So potentially an opportunity to pick up a win at home there. I know in previous episodes, Dan, we've talked about how maybe three wins is like maybe the sweet spot to, to get that one of those last playoff spots. Um, but, you know, time's running out for, for Concord. They only have four games left, and that includes a Bedford team that's very good, 
um, you know, a, a, a Wyndham team that that could be solid. They've played, they've lost, but they've played tight games against Salem, who's undefeated, and Londonderry, who's only lost once. So, uh, you know, th- there might be some more opportunities to pick up some wins in the last in the second half of the schedule compared to the first half when the schedule was kind of front loaded against Concord. But uh, still, you know, without Bahuma and uh, without seeing significant progress on offense, it, it's a little difficult to see. Um, you know, how many more wins this team can pick up. I mean, I think one thing on the positive end that I think you had mentioned to me during the game Saturday was Concord's defense has, has not been that bad. I mean, they've given up points, but a lot of that's been because they've been on the field for so long. And, you know, something that, that Corkum said after Saturday was that they need to be better at getting off the field on third and fourth down a very demoralizing. Mm-hmm. Obviously I think Pinkerton was three for five on fourth downs on Saturday and, you know, when you allow three, four downs, when you're giving up eight minute drives, that really wears down a defense. And, and when you don't have uh, a ton of guys, when you have a lot of guys on your team that play both offense and defense, which Concord does, because they have a smaller roster compared to a lot of other D1 teams, that really wears on you more than it would on a team that has guys that only play one side of the ball each. So, um, you know, the defense has been a bit of a bright spot, but still uh, lots of room to improve there. Yeah, definitely the consistent. I mean, and it's too bad because we saw, and we were commenting on this during the game, where Concord would put together a decent drive where they'd get, you know, maybe they'd pick up two or three first downs in a row, um, and then they'd have, you know, a series of penalties or or some dropped passes or things like that um, that kind of set them back. Um, so definitely have seen good stuff from them. We saw uh, Colby Nyan connect with, I think, Brett Tuttle had a 40-yard catch. Um, at some point in there, uh, Jackson Borkish could, can rip off, you know, some, some long runs. He's got some speed. Um, but just that lack of, lack of consistency. I thought Concord was definitely more physical, um, than they were when I saw them compared to what I saw the opening weekend, um, first game of the season against Londonderry. Um, it was good to see that there, uh, Pinkerton's fullback, um, Ryan Catano is a big big guy and I saw him run the ball I thought this is not good like I don't know how anyone is stopping that kid um but you know they were able to contain him you know reasonably well um and uh Caden um uh Pinkerton's top runner had 111 yards um could have had could have had a lot more potentially but Conker did a, a decent job containing him as well so definitely some positive things but just lacking that consistency and just the depth as you said they just you know especially losing you know Bahuma who played two ways um is just is just really hard to compete with some of these you know teams like Pinkerton and Londonderry when they're rolling out you know they can roll out basically two starting lineups um throughout the game um but hopefully uh hopefully uh Concord can can pick up a a, a winnable game uh against Alvern on Friday night again that game Friday at seven uh we will have that covered of course uh for the monitor um so that's all the football action that you should be aware of on the boys soccer side of things it was another very busy week for our local teams uh Pembroke had quite a big week beating Merrimack Valley four to three in MV's homecoming on Saturday. MV had a two nothing lead about seven minutes in. And, uh, you know, Pembroke came into Saturday 
just two, six, and one on the season. So they go down two nothing early. You figure, all right, here we go again. This is going to be another tough game. It was three to one at the end of the first half. Uh, MV led, and then Pembroke cut it to three two, um, and scored two more times in the second half to eventually win the game. Colby Pepka scored three goals for the Spartans, including two on penalty kicks. And then today, uh, Tuesday, as we're recording, uh, Pembroke is just a few hours removed from beating Cole Brown, another talented D2 team on the road, two to one. Um, you know, another game where maybe the Spartans didn't possess the ball more than the other team, but still capitalized on opportunities. Um, had uh, two goals scored, one each in uh, each one in each half. And you no, know, the Spartans have now won three in a row, Dan. They're four, six, and one. They're they're knocking on the door of a playoff spot. And, you know, maybe MV games, a non-AM Saturday, maybe you catch a team sleeping. Uh, Tuesday was Cole Brown, a team that had been playing without a few starters for a couple of weeks, and all those guys finally came back to so a little rust. So, you know, maybe they're not playing these teams at their best, but you know, win's a win. And Pembroke's feeling pretty good about where it is right now. Yeah, you can't, I don't think you can pull off, you know, that many wins against teams that are, you know, better on the basis of of record, at least, um, you know, I don't think you can pull off that many results that consistently if you weren't, if you weren't playing, uh, if you weren't playing well. Um, so definitely, it's, it's, it's good to see that things are uh, improving under um head coach drew goff uh pembroke had had a a championship in somewhat recent years 2016 17 i have maybe i think they were winning um the championship that year and have since have had a string of of not so great years um so uh it's good it has to be a positive sign that with a new coach and, and a new system in place um that pembroke is is turning things around um yeah, uh, I mean, also elsewhere in Division Two, um, Bo. We've talked about Bo soccer a lot on this podcast. We talked to head coach Josh Smith last week. Um, Bo with another couple of shutouts, a one nothing win over Pembroke. Uh, kind of a game that uh, started this this Pembroke streak of of showing improvement. Um, Bo, a team that's won uh, teams with that record a lot more uh, than one nothing. So for Pembroke to keep it close was a good good start to the stretch um and then Bo also picking up a four nothing win over John Stark uh and then in a six nothing win uh for Bo today at Kennett um so uh nine one and one uh is Bo's record right now third place in division two still chasing Oyster River and Lebanon um who uh Bo had a, a loss and a tie to earlier in the season um but things things looking good uh uh, locally in Division Two, boys soccer. Um, same can cannot be said for uh, Concord in Division One. Um, one nothing lost to Kena on Monday extends the Crimson Tides losing streak to five games. Concord is now two and seven. Um, and then in Division Three, Hopkinton had an off year last year. Uh, traditionally, a very strong soccer program had an off year last year, and now they are back on top of Division Three. Hopkinton beating St. Thomas two to one on Monday in overtime uh, to extend the Hawks' win streak to nine games. Uh, Hopkinton is now eleven and one. That was St. Thomas's first loss of the season. St. Thomas uh, was nine and zero oh, entering that game. 
so Hopkinton at 11 and one uh, playing a 16 game schedule, uh, 12 games into that looking very good. A big one to mark on the calendar is uh, Hopkinton closes the regular season on October 20th, I believe it's a Friday, Friday, October 20th. Um, they close the regular season with a rematch against Guilford. Guilford, the defending state champions. Guilford won that game two to one way back in August. Um, Guilford, uh, not on top of the division, although they have not lost a game yet. They have eight wins, no losses, and two draws, um, which that's uh, those two draws that uh, give Hopkinton the edge over the golden eagles um and then also near the top of d3 we want to shout out kearsarge a 7-3 and one record um they beat bishop brady four nothing today uh thanks to a hat trick from devin selby so uh things looking good in the uh, boys soccer world locally um in in most cases uh, Eric, it was, it was, uh, Pembroke MV was a pretty exciting, pretty exciting game. Definitely. Uh, MV does a great job with their, with their homecoming. Um, everything is very well attended. The, uh, the staff there are, are fantastic helping us get rosters. Um, all the, the faculty and staff, there are very nice, um, shout out to Nick, a student who's in the uh, press box who does a great job calling the games and adds a lot of uh, spirit um to that um i mean very exciting and pembroke was very excited uh you know to come from behind um a couple penalty kicks uh had all the had all the drama you would want from a game between two local rivals on a homecoming saturday yeah it was definitely i um Definitely one of the more exciting uh, soccer games, uh, especially boys soccer games that we've we've covered so far this season. And uh, yeah, I mean, it seems to have been a bit of a jumping off point for Pembroke's recent stretch. I mean, again, going on the road, beating MV, going on the road, beating Cole Brown, two teams that are probably going to the playoffs this year. So that's a big confidence boost. And, uh, you know, Pembroke has another game uh, against John Stark on Saturday, a team that's really struggled. So uh, a chance to get one win closer to 500 on the season. Um, in the girls' soccer world, uh, Concord uh, had a pair of wins last week, two shutouts, beating Manchester Central West 3-0 on Tuesday and Nashua South 1-0. I believe that game was on Friday. Uh, the Tide are now 5-3-1 and one on the season, tied for eighth in D1 and they play at Dover and at Winnicunit on Wednesday and Friday this week. So uh, Concord is looking to continue the recent stretch of success. The only real hiccups have been against some of the top teams in Division One. So, you know, Concord, a team that looks like they're probably going to go to the playoffs and, and, and could be a team to watch uh, as well. Uh, Bo in Division Two, uncharacteristic week for the Falcons, losing two games, both to other local opponents. Uh, 4-1 loss to Cole Brown, 4-2 loss to John Stark. The Falcons are now 6-3-1 and this season. And uh, in uh, should mention Cole Brown, a team that started 0-2, has gone 7-0-1 in its last eight games, including that win over Bo. Um, they've also beaten Laconia and Spalding since uh, the, the win over the Falcons. 
John Stark had a strong week, beating Keene 2-0 in both 4-2. The Generals are 7-2-1 this season. And Merrimack Valley's won three games in a row, including a 2-0 win over Pembroke during homecoming on Saturday. The Pride are 8-1-1 this season. And the Spartans, we just mentioned, lost to MV. Uh, they're 5-5, five and five, and uh, they played host to Cobrown on Tuesday, the flip of what the boys' situation uh, was and Cobrown won that game five to one. So Pembroke is now five and six on the season. Um, but then I wanted to backtrack of all those games. I think the big standout is Bo, a team that, you know, expects to contend for championship two losses this week and two losses by more than two, two goals or more. Yeah. Um, definitely not something that we're used to seeing, from the Falcons. Um, I mean, they've definitely had to change their style of play. Um, definitely a team that's relied uh, much more on speed um, and, and playing more of a, I, I guess you could say more of a, a counter-attacking kind of style, playing the ball more in the space um, and having really fast players in the LaPerl twins up front who are able to track it down um needing to play needing to play a little bit different um but also you know again with the way that these schedules are set up when all of our area teams they play each other twice they're going to get two cracks at them they get to see how everyone plays and they get to know um get to know their styles i'm sure a lot of the girls know each other from you know club soccer outside of um not during the varsity season. Um, so I think when you have that familiarity with your opponents, um, you know, anything, anything is possible. Um, I have to say, I, I covered the MV Pembroke girls game um, on homecoming Saturday. I was very impressed with MV. Um, MV is a very well-rounded team. Their defense has been very strong um, the whole season. Um, the thing that really stood out in their win against Pembroke was just their offense, the way the pride um, stayed composed in the midfield. They really controlled the pace of the game. They they kept Pembroke goalie Layla Al-Shawafi uh, extremely busy in net. Um, and then before MV coming away with a 2-0 with a win, including a goal in the third minute to, to kick off uh, homecoming, that homecoming game early. Um, but I've, I've been very impressed with what I've seen from MV um, currently in second place in the Division II standings. And I think, um, you know, if MV plays plays its way, uh, you know, staying composed and maintaining possession through the middle of the field, um, as opposed to what uh, head coach Kylie Yam uh, referred to as as kickball, you know, just kind of kicking it and chasing it down. Um, when they stay composed and, and maintain possession through the midfield the way they are capable of, um, Pembroke's got a very good defensive team and they've got some very strong finishers up front um, who can put the put the ball in the net. Um, Izzy Navoy had the uh, first goal of that homecoming win, uh, also had a goal, the game-winning goal in MV's one nothing win over Lebanon yesterday. Um, and Colby Magoon uh, also netting a goal uh, in the homecoming win as well. Um, but as we've always said, Division Two, a lot of local teams that know each other well, anything can happen. As it stands currently, MV second, Co-Brown third, John Stark fourth, Bo fifth. Um, it's a lot of local teams that are very familiar with each other at the top. Um, you know, not a whole lot 
between them. You know, we've seen Co Brown beat Bo, uh, but you know, Bo usually gets the better of Co Brown. Um, same with Bo and John Stark uh, and MV and all these other teams. So it really is a toss up. Not a whole lot between uh, the teams at the top of the division at this point. And of course, Pembroke has. You know, we've seen Pembroke, you know, go deep into the um, playoffs without necessarily having a, a high seed. Um, and that's a team uh, coach, uh, just uh, Kaufman, the Rocher is a two-time coach of the year, um, does does really well with that program. And, and they're consistently up there. And I know have a few injuries uh, and, and lost a big senior class, but definitely uh, a team that if they make it in the playoffs, you know, anything can happen. Um so I'm I'm very excited for that. I think girls division two soccer never disappoints in our area as far as producing some really exciting matchups and uh, some some drama down the stretch. Uh, so that should be so that should be really fun. Um, division three, the Hopkinton girls have won eight in a row. Um, big wins over Fall Mountain, a five to two victory, and then a three to two win over Dairyfield last week. So Hopkinton now at 10 and one currently tied for second in the division three standings um, similar to the boys team had kind of an off it still made the quarterfinals so still a great team uh, but an off year relative to the four champion four consecutive championships that Hopkins had, had won previous to last season um, and now Hopkinson right back uh, near the top uh, at the top of the of the standings as well um and then conquered christian uh girls on a bit of a streak as well in division four they are seven oh and one in their last eight games um eric anything else from uh girls soccer i think we've we've got it all covered just a lot of really talented teams and as you said i mean just so much overlap in getting these see these teams play head to head during the season, uh, particularly in Division Two, so uh, excited to see that continue in the last stretch of the regular season, and then I'm sure we'll see these several of these teams again in the playoffs. Uh, before we get to my uh, interview with Dennis Pelletier, just I wanted to chat quickly about volleyball, some other field hockey, and golf. Um, Concord volleyball uh, lost its first game of the year last week, three sets to none against Salem. But the Tide have since won three straight over Wyndham, Timberlane, and Winnicunit. Uh, the Tide are nine and two this season, which is tied for third in Division One. So, a really great season for Concord volleyball continues. Cole Brown had a bit of a rough week, losing, having lost two of its last three. They included a three nothing loss to Oyster River, but uh, we should note that Oyster River is undefeated and they've lost four sets all season. So. That's a really, really good team that Cole Brown lost to. And uh, the Bears also lost three to one against Campbell, a team that's seven and one on the season. The Bears overall are eight and three. And in Division Three, Belmont uh, off to an eight and one start. And then in field hockey, uh, Concord also having a good season there. They're eight and three in fourth place after beating Manchester Central West, Winnicunit. And Keen last week, and then Keen the Keen win was on Monday, their senior day. Um, so Concord's having a, a good season after being a little bit up and down last year. We talked about John Stark rolling. They beat Sauhegan four to one uh, on Tuesday. Sauhegan, the team that John Stark beat in the Division Two Championship last year, two to one. Uh, excuse me, one nothing. So a little bit more of a com more comfortable of a win today. And as I mentioned at the top, John Stark outscoring opponents. 46 to four uh, so far this year. 
and then Division Three Bishop Brady off to a seven and three start. And I will be at their game against White Mountains on Wednesday. So we'll get our first in-person look at them. And Dan, why don't you wrap us up with some golf? Yeah, Eric, it's uh, playoff season is is quickly approaching. This is the final week of the regular season for our area golf teams. Championships being held next week. Um, many teams have wrapped up um, still with a match to go. Are, is Concord in Division One? Concord currently on top of that division with a 22 and one record with uh, one match remaining tomorrow. Um, they will definitely be playing in the Division One championship next week. Um, Bo, Merrimack Valley, Coe Brown, Bishop Brady, Kearsarge, and Hopkinton uh, also all projected to qualify for um, their respective division championships. Um, the top eight teams in all four divisions uh, play for the team title. And then any team not in that mix still submit their best two golfers uh, to compete for the individual titles. So team titles held at various courses in the middle of next week. And then the top individual performers from those matches will all compete uh, a week from Saturday at Beaver Meadow right here in Concord um, for the individual state championships. So uh, we are quickly approaching championship season and playoff season and then uh, regular season for uh, all of our other uh, sports, uh, team sports that is um, ending uh, Friday the 20th, I guess Saturday the 21st technically. Um, might be some Saturday games there, but Eric, we're getting down to it. And, and next week we're going to have championships to preview for golf. And then uh, a couple weeks after that, it's playoff time. So fall just started and and quickly uh quickly coming to an end and uh you mentioned golf field hockey playoffs also one of the earlier ones to start as well uh, so on that note here's my conversation with john stark field hockey coach dennis pelletier i'm here with dennis pelletier the john stark field hockey coach dennis welcome back to the podcast great to have you as always and thank you, Eric. It's always great to be on with you. So uh, we'll talk some field hockey today. Uh, girls off to a, a phenomenal start this season, ten and zero, outscoring opponents forty two to three, seven shutouts in those ten wins as well. Um, mm -hmm. I, I know you know you had, you had mentioned to me a few times this year that this group's a bit different than the team that won Division Two championship last year. Um, yes. But what's what's impressed you the most about the way this group has performed so far this year? I think uh, what's been great is just seeing the offensive potential we have here. This is a stronger offensive team than we had last year. Um, so we're working out defensively uh, where we need to, to, to go. We've had pretty strong contributions from freshmen and sophomores, which uh, you know, is not only a great sign for our future, but they're ready to play now, these girls. So uh, I think the... The, the, the most impressive thing is seeing how our younger players, when they're getting to us, are, are, are you know already field hockey ready for the most part. Uh, it's it's fine tuning and getting them into playing you know highly competitive games that that you know we're working on. And you know from a coaching standpoint, that leads us to you know a lot of strategical things we can work on. So that that's been uh, a great thing for for us. Um, and one of the other things that's been great for you guys has been goalie play. I know you've been splitting 
uh, time evenly 50-50 between uh, Edie Fisher and Addie Pelletier, your daughter. Um, you know, what's that kind of been like? Because, I mean, you say it's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem where you want to give right. both playing time, but you can't. Right. I mean, it is what it is, and the, the formula has been very successful. Um, yeah, obviously both of them would rather be playing the whole game. Um, but it's also a good mix, you know, especially, you know, we got a week here with three games where it's going to be abnormally hot for this time of year. Um, so, you know, we're in a good position there where they uh, – you know they don't they don't have to be in the in the gear the whole way through but uh, you know it's it, it is you know tough at times on that end but for the most part um, when something's working it's hard to argue against it um, and that has been you know one of if not the strongest part of our team this year um, you know is has been goaltending along with uh, you know Addie Bolduck on defense you know moving to the center back area that uh, that's really been you know suffocating for a lot of teams and and that's why you know we have the results we have that we do have a, a lot younger defense we do not have any uh, senior starters on defense um, uh, we basically the last game we had uh, two juniors, a sophomore, and a freshman uh, in our in our defensive alignment. Um, you know, with a sophomore goalie. So it's uh, there, there's a lot of you know things that are there. But these girls are pretty experienced for their age. Um, so uh, the two goalies have you know they, you know they get along pretty well. They've been playing together for a long time. Um, you know, and, and right now it's it's been a success. Uh, so you know what they say: don't mess with success. So or don't fix what's not broken. Right. <laughs> Um, now I know you you probably haven't thought ahead this far, but when the playoffs come around, are you anticipating keeping it this way, or do you think you're probably going to go with one for a full game? Um, you know, it all depends how it goes. We have we have four games uh, coming up, two against uh, you know t- teams that are in the top five, I think, in in the division. So, but again, if, if it's working, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it that way. Um, you know, the competitiveness of the two keeps uh, both of them working really hard. Um, you know, and, the, and you know, we'll roll with it in a game situation, but at this moment, I don't see us changing. Now, on that, on the note of, you know, keep it on working hard, I wanted to just, I probably asked you this before because you guys had similar levels of success last season. How do you keep them focused and, and hungry going into these games when, you know, you've had a few close games, but most of them you've been winning by four plus goals. Uh, so how do you keep that focus and that that energy up? Yeah, again, it's um, you know they they love the sport, they love to play, uh, and there's a lot of competitors on the team. Uh, the difference between you know some of the starters and some of the girls that are coming off the bench, and then some of the girls that are not playing a lot is not not much. So uh, you know that can change at, at any given time. And that's why practice is important, and we really stress you know competitive practices. Um, you know there there are times when we've played you know upwards of 22 people in, in a varsity game, which you know is not common for field hockey, but you know we're we were able to do that just because of the the depth we have um you know i think that that's the, the competitive atmosphere every day you know it makes things tough sometimes and cause a little little bit of drama you know having you know kids wanting to be in there um but you know basically we put it that way you, we're watching you you know their skills every day and their effort every day so um you know, playing time is, is at a premium with, with us. So I think that's what leads to the competitiveness and why kids want to, you know, play hard every every minute that they're out there. And it also seems like, you know, you've gotten to the point with this program, um, and I know uh, this is something that I wrote about last year when you guys uh, started the season strong, 
Um, just the fact that you know you've built up the youth program in where for a few years now. So now you've gotten to the point right where there's just been a number of girls that have gone through and they have that experience. So that's one of the reasons why you have not only such a big roster but so many players that could you know warrant playing time. Correct, um, and that that's been a good thing too. And a lot of them, you know, they're they're friendly with each other off the field, so they uh, that's what's really built things up. Um, they they were friends before they were field hockey teammates, basically. Uh, a lot of them, but you know, this this current sophomore group that I thought about the other day, they they've been playing since uh, some of them been together since first grade, um, which is pretty pretty unique and uncommon in, in the sport of field hockey in New Hampshire. So uh, that's been great, and a lot of them love love playing and love the sports much that they've continued to play um, in the wintertime with uh, Summit Field Hockey which uh, um, Ronnie Jacober the owner is the assistant coach at New England College so we have that local connection um, it's uh, Ronnie myself and Gretchen kind of and Carly Sweeney being pretty good friends way 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 in the beginning when we you know first started our, our youth program and we've always been in touch and it's you know it's been a great asset to have uh, them in our community um, supporting, you know, field hockey. Uh, all field hockey coaches are the same. We want to grow the sport as much as we possibly can, and whenever we can get more kids playing, it's it's the better. And you know, we have a, a terrific relationship with them. Um, and then they started their club team a couple of years after. You know, we started talking with them about, hey, it would be it would be fun to have that. You know, a, a local option for that. And, when they first started out, it was mostly John Stark kids, but now their program is dynamic, and they play all over the country. Uh, you know, some of our girls are going down with them to Florida in January, so it's it's, uh, and that's I think three or four of the eighteen kids are from John Stark, so they've really grown a lot. Um, you know, but we're we're thankful, and we're you know we always bounce ideas off each other, and it's a it's a great um, great compliment to have here. And I think it's important to point out for people that are less familiar with field hockey, like compared to like soccer or baseball or basketball, right? Like it's less common for kids to start playing field hockey when they're in first grade, right? Like that's not, the the infrastructure is not there where it is for the other sports. So kids might gravitate to soccer first and they don't, they don't ever really pick up a field hockey stick. So that's one of the reasons uh, why what you guys have is a little bit unique, right? Yeah, most definitely. A lot of times, a lot of towns, the kids won't start playing field hockey until they're in middle school. Um, it's either a kid that you know never really liked soccer, or you know got cut from the soccer team, and then you know want to find something else. Uh, you've, it, there's not a lot of times where kids start playing field hockey in first grade. There's a few organizations in the state that have it. Um, um, you know that there's not a lot of you know town leagues. Uh, we're hoping to see a growth in that, but there has been, and you can see some of the. The schools that uh, have really benefited from from youth programs that that started that they didn't really have a lot before, and their their programs are very strong. Two in our division uh, come to mind right away: Oyster River and Hollis Brookline have really you know kind of followed along with what we're doing in Ware and Henniker. I'm really trying to get kids to play, and you can see the growth. I mean, I, those two teams are tied for second place right now, um, and we're in first place. We've, so we've had a, you know, those three communities really got behind local field hockey, and it's starting to really show um, how it's benefited benefited us uh, on that end. But you're correct. A lot of times kids don't really start playing field hockey till middle school. Um, so the last thing, Dennis, I want to ask about is, you know, you mentioned you got four games left, two of them against – very good teams in Sauhegan and Kennet, I think, combined. They've only lost three times all season. 
Um, as you as you hit this last, I guess, week and a half or week of the regular season, what are you still hoping to see from the girls before the playoffs start? You know, I, uh, I was talking about this the other day. Um, we've had, you know, we've had our ups and downs this season, um, but for the most part, we played really well. I do feel we've left a lot of goals on the table that uh, we haven't capitalized on. So I think tight, tightening up that and finishing those plays, because when you get into the playoffs, um, your opportunity is going to be far less. So we got to take advantage of those situations. Uh, we have not played our best field hockey yet. And, um, you know, I, I think we have quite a quite a large space to, to grow there. And I really believe it'll happen. You know, we keep working hard. We're trying to find, you know, the formations and the and accommodations that, that click. And we really think we found um, some really good ones. Uh, you know, we've moved a couple of people around, uh, and, and it's been very successful. Within the last week, we um, we moved Haley Brisson back up to midfield to be in more of a scoring position, and she's just taken off. Uh, you know, she's got I think she had uh, four goals in the last two games, so it's uh, she's you know in, in a great spot for us. We just had to make sure we had defense covered, and we've had a, a freshman Peyton Nakat step up and be. And uh, she's really playing great at the uh, upper sweep position for us. She's she's still learning. She's only 14, um, but she's a, a, a great athlete, and she loves the sport and always is asking us questions on how, how to become a better player. But that is really starting to work uh, for us, too, and that allowed us to move Haley up. So that's been a great thing. And, and, and we have, in my opinion, the best defensive player in the state, Maddie Bolduck. And if things break down a little bit, and he seems to be there all the time uh, to make the plays, um, and she's she's done a great job. She's she's a quiet, uh, very confident uh, player, and it's it's nice to see someone with who off the field has a big heart and is a very caring person succeed on the field as well. Well, you say uh, you haven't played your best field hockey yet, but ten and zero with a plus thirty nine goal differential, still pretty good. So uh, it'll yes, be it it'll be exciting very, to see. Very very proud of them. But, uh, <laughs> You know, we we know we know we can do we can do even better. So we're we're hoping to uh, hit our stride as we head into that big third week in October. All right. Well, Dennis Pelletier, pleasure as always to have you on the podcast. Thanks for chatting some John Stark field hockey. Hey, as always, Eric, we appreciate everything you do for you know all our Concord area schools and every sport that you cover. Um, you guys do a great job, um, and I you know thank you very much for doing that. So I think that Dennis is the second return guest we've had on the podcast. I know Mike Donnell was a was a double uh, returner during basketball season for Pembroke last year. The Spartans losing in the Division II championship uh, there against Pelham. But uh, but uh, what 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 Dennis Pelletier and his assistant uh, Gretchen uh, Gavin, I believe is how you pronounce the last name. Uh, has been really phenomenal with the Ware uh, and Henniker field hockey youth programs. We, again, kind of documented this pretty uh, extensively last season, but, you know, th- this is a program that really was built from nothing. And now, as I talked about with, with Dennis, they've gotten to the point where they're finally at the spot where they, you know, this isn't the first go around for these girls. Like they've been playing together for years and years and years now. And now they've gotten to the high school level. So there's a lot of experience. There's a lot of depth. And uh, Dan, this looks to be the division two favorite uh, yet again. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not a position that, I, I mean, they've, they've played together before. They, they know the sport of field hockey very well, but as far as, 
you know, from a John Stark varsity perspective, they played very well last year, but last year was, uh, I, I don't know if they necessarily would have been, you know, widely considered the favorites um, sort of coming out of the gate last year. Uh, now, no one is, is underestimating John Stark. They are the team to beat and, and the rest of the division knows it. And that's a different place to, uh, to play from. Um, but just seeing, you know, I remember, you know, covering John Stark through many winless seasons, um, in the early days of the, of the program, um, and to see where they're at now and, and how a lot of it's just been built from, you know, the coaches, you know, love for the community and, and the desire and will to build something, um, you know, is really cool to, to see. It's cool to hear stories like that. Um, yeah, Eric, I'm excited. Lots of reasons, lots of reasons to be. We've had a lot of successful teams so far in the area, and that should certainly continue as we hit the final few weeks of the regular season. For Dana Torrey, I'm Eric Winston Lobel. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Dennis Pelletier for stopping by as well. And we'll be back next week.